Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. Now, if you've um, gone to this church any length of time or watched with us on stream or television, you know that when I study, I go back to the original transcripts of the Bible because through 2,000 or 4,000 years of translation, sometimes the Bible is not only translated a little wrong, it's interpreted a little wrong. Um, We know about Jesus and the woman with the issue of blood, and he said, if I could touch the hem of his garment... And I heard for years and years that Jesus was wearing a robe. And we know now that Jesus wasn't wearing a a Roman robe, but he was wearing a Jewish prayer cloth. Amen? And so some of our traditions that we have been taught, what we're finding out is some of these traditions may actually be a little wrong. And one of the things that, how many, how many were here this morning? Okay, almost everybody. One of the things we're finding out is we are not God's little boys and we're not God's little girls. We are joint heirs with Christ Jesus that we have incredible authority Because of Jesus and his blood. Can I have a better amen? I may get into this tonight when I teach because what we've been teaching on is Jacob's Ladder. And I'm not sure for the sake of time how much I'm going to repeat what I I taught um, last week and then this week. But what we're finding out is here's what religion has, here's what religion has taught you is that you're to come broken before the Lord and and so unworthy. And that is not in the Bible. That's in religion, but that's not in the Bible. My Bible says we're to come boldly before the throne of God. And here's what the devil tells us. Oh, you're not worthy. Yes, yes, maybe you're not worthy, but I am. And I'm not worthy because I'm so slick. I'm worthy because of the blood of Jesus. Though my sins be as scarlet, they are now whiter than snow. And because of Jesus, I have been grafted in to the family of God. I am no longer a servant, but I am a son of God. And if you know Jesus, so are you. You know, you you guys know how I spoil my grandkids. I, I, I just just love to spoil them. And, you know, when people come up to my office, anybody, they come to the office, they always come, make sure, you know, uh, it, is it okay? I'm not talking to anybody. Not the grandkids. They don't care who I'm talking to. I could be talking to Jesus. They're coming in. They're going to come in and see Saba. This is exactly the way the Lord wants us. We've got to lose this Oh, I'm not worthy. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I am not a sinner any longer saved by grace. I am a child of God, and God is my Father, and I have access to Him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody say bold. See, the problem is, is we keep coming meek. You know, and I've taught this before. We think meek means broken. But the word meek, the problem is, is that how many, of you, how many of you have or know what a Strong's Concordance is? Can I tell you one of the main problems to understand the Bible? We keep going to the Strong's to find out what Jesus said in Greek. Jesus never spoke Greek. Let me say it again. Some of you missed it. We read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and, and I've got many strong concordance. I've had them for years, and they're okay to a limit. But when you get to the New Testament, we go to the... It, it, how many have a strong concordance? You have the Old Testament, and it refers to what language? 
Hebrew. You have the New Testament refers to what language? Jesus never spoke Greek. Paul never spoke Greek. You cannot go to the Greek every time and find out what the Bible means. That's, are you all okay? See, some of you are looking at me like, next you're going to say there is no real Easter bunny. You hear all the time preachers go, well, this is what it means in the Greek. Jesus didn't speak Greek. Now, sometimes we can go and get something, and the Greek meaning will match the original translation. But Jesus didn't even speak Latin. Jesus was what? A Jew. And Jesus either spoke Hebrew, probably both, spoke Hebrew, or he spoke Hebrew and Western Aramaic. If, if you go to Jerusalem today, they'll speak Hebrew and they'll speak Aramaic and everybody understands each other. Some of you are looking like, oh, this sounds like false doctrine. No, no, think a minute. Think a minute. The Bible was translated hundreds of years after Jesus into Greek. Am I giving you too much, or do we, do we need to go back? So if we're going to understand what the Bible really says, we really have to study rightly dividing the word of truth so that truth can set us free. Amen? Okay, let me show you just a little bit of something in Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. In verse 18, what's the first word there? Surely. Anybody else got anything else? Assuredly. Anybody else? Verily. Okay, all of these are translated from Greek from the wrong translation. What Jesus said originally in the original translation is, he did not say, verily, verily, I say unto you. Have you ever heard any Jew say that? Barely, barely, I say unto you. Jews, Jews just don't talk like that. Especially the Son of God. We read it this way. Assuredly, or barely, I say unto you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What the Scripture literally says in the place of assuredly is Jesus says, I make you an oath. Now, how much more powerful is the Lord saying, I make you an oath. That if you understand who I am, and therefore who you are, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Now, the word bound is not a good translation. We go around going, I bind you, devil. And the devil goes, really? You bind me? The original translation is forbid. I make a vow to you. I give you my oath. We always say, they came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, no man goes to the... Every Christian knows this. Every preacher preaches this. Every television evangelist quotes this. And then we get up and we go, Lord Jesus. Don't we? I've shared this before, but several years ago... Um, TBN asked me to go with Brother Copeland down to Angola Prison. And, and as we were going down to Angola, we were coming back from Angola Prison to do a, a, a service down there. It's just a marvelous service. And we we're in um, uh, Brother Copeland's plane, his jet plane, flying back to Dallas. And um, it was Brother Copeland, myself, Matt Crouch, and Lori Crouch, Paul and Jan's son and, and, and daughter-in-law, and they asked me a question. I, I've told you this story, but I want to emphasize it. They asked me a question. They said, you know, 
pastor next door, we have, you know, rabbis in, Rabbi Lappin, whoever, and, and they're always very kind and gracious, but we always hear them talking about you, and that's where Pastor Larry is, that's where New Beginning is, and they said, what, what is the difference? Now, this was years ago. Everybody pretty much knows where I stand now, and uh, they said, what's the difference? And, you know, and I, and, and I say jokingly, but not jokingly, I'm on Brother Copeland's plane. He can throw me out. Pull that over. Here I am in Kentucky. And they said, what's the difference? And I said, oh, you know, it, it, nothing big, nothing big. And, and they said, no, no, seriously. And I said, no, and they said, no, seriously. And I said, well, you know, I, I, I've been telling this to people quietly, but maybe it's time to start coming publicly. And I said, I don't pray to Jesus. Now, you all know this, but you got to understand, five years ago, that was almost blasphemous. But I said, look at what the scriptures say. Teach us how to pray. If, if, if you come to Jesus and you say to him, teach me how to pray, and he says, here's how you pray, should you not follow his formula? Okay, Jesus says, when you pray, say what? Then why do we say Jesus? They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father. And yet, what do we do? And we're on the plane, and Lori Crouch goes, you know what? Everything we do is, Jesus, heal me. Jesus, touch me. Jesus, do this. And I said, Jesus said, it's finished. If you read Matthew chapter 16, and we won't turn there tonight, but if you read Matthew 16, Jesus said to the disciples, I'm about to go, but I'll come again. In a little while, you won't see me. And then in a little while, you will. At first, you'll be real sad. When they saw Jesus die on the cross, their hearts were broken. But three days later, they began to get excited. Are we on the same page so far? Now watch this. Jesus says, from that day. Now up till now, up till now, no one is allowed in the Holy of Holies except the high priest. In Israel... Once a year, on Yom Kippur, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. Can can I throw a little thing in there on you? On how we've been taught so wrong. How many, what did they tie onto the leg of the Holy of Holies? A rope. And what was around the fringe of the high priest? I'd always heard that the reason they tied a rope on the, on the high priest is in case he went in there and he was unclean, he'd drop dead and they'd have to drag him out. Has anybody ever heard that? that I, talk, I talk to rabbis about that and they just laugh at us. That's religion. The reason why they had, they had a rope is to see the motion. It was a faith thing that that the high priest was moving to this side to bring the blessing and to this side to bring the blessing. Not that if he, nobody's going to walk in there and die. And the bells were on there, not to know when he stopped. The bells were there so they could hear the blessing of God. They couldn't see it, but they could hear that healing was coming and prosperity was coming and anointing was coming. We got to get rid of this mean God and realize he's a good God. So on Yom Kippur, the high priest would go behind the Holy of Holies. And then he would minister. What we're doing is we're still asking Jesus to go behind there. Jesus, bring me healing. Jesus, bring me. When Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was what? From where to where? From heaven to earth. We're saying, Jesus, go into holy. Jesus says, I am the door. 
I'm not the room. I'm the door. Now, you can't get in there except through the name of Jesus Christ. But if you know Jesus, then he is your father. And you are to say, Father, and come boldly before the throne of God. Quit being double-minded. Are you okay? Because that freaks people out. I, st- I taught this about 10 years ago one time when I was traveling, and the whole church just sat there. I said, well, I'm way before my time here. Look at this verse. I make a vow or an oath to you. Whatever pastor binds on earth, what does it say? Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you allow on earth will be allowed in heaven. I forbid the devil to get my children. Well, who do you think you are? I am the one that Jesus said, I've got to go. Now, I'm going to do a whole Sunday. It's time the church gets refilled with the Holy Spirit. What if you were dying? What if you were on your deathbed and you had moments to live? And you go to your family. I've got one more thing to say. Would that probably not be the most important thing to your heart? Are we in agreement on that? Would that make sense? The last thing Jesus said was do not leave until you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not about falling down. The Holy Spirit is not about running around. The Holy Spirit is not something that we don't need today. The most Jesus said himself, it is vital that I go. They said, no, Lord, don't go. No, I have to go. It's essential that I go. Because when I go, I will send another who is exactly like me. When I'm in Jerusalem, that's where I am. When I'm in Capernaum, that's where I am. When I'm in Galilee, that's where I am. But I will send another. I was with you, but he will be in you. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. We need to quit saying, Jesus, heal me. We need to go boldly before the Father. They came to Jesus and they said, teach us how to. Let's go there. Can I teach a little bit? Luke chapter 11. I told Tiz I'm not going to teach much tonight because my throat's sore and I preach too much today and I can't help it. I'm a liar even to myself. Luke chapter 11. Do you have it? And it came to pass, verse 1, and it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he sees that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And so he said to them, when you pray, what's the next word? Say. Say. Don't think. Say it. Now let me ask you, because I'm saying it so you can teach yourself. Why does God say, say? Because why? Faith cometh by what? When you pray, now I'm a, can I teach you how to pray? Now we're going to do this, and I'm going to let Tiz run you, not tonight, but I'm going to let Tiz in the ne- one of the next Sundays, because there's nobody who prays better than Tiz. But when I get up in the morning, I may be facing paying the land off, I may be facing this, I may be facing that, and here's the way you knock the devil out. When I get up this morning, I say, good morning, Father. He is not just my God. He is not just almighty. He is not just omnipresent. He is all those things, but I got news for the devil. He is my father, and it is my 
Father's good pleasure to give me the kingdom. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because my father is the baddest dude in the valley. Say father. He's not just God. See, don't say Jesus because Jesus is your brother. But God is your father. Say father. Now, I don't know about you. I don't care what I'm facing. When I say father, and I, and I look at my Bible says I'm evil as a parent compared to what our heavenly father is to us. I will do anything for my kids. My whole life is my children. My whole life is my grandchildren. I'm serious. I like you. But I love them. I'm going to tell you, how, why, I'm, I tell you what I teach pastors. If you want to do this thing for years to come and say, say excited about it, put God first, your family second, your, your friends third, your ministry fourth. No, I'll sacrifice my family for the ministry. You got it wrong. Anybody that tells you that is a liar. Anybody that tells you that is a liar. Well, I'll sacrifice my family. I, the only one that sacrificed his family for, for the ministry was God. My Bible says if I lose my family, I'm disqualified. Are you all okay? See, I want you to know something. There's something about being able to come to your dad and knowing your dad's going to fix it. Our father owns everything. Let me put it this way. This is the way I pray. My dad fixes everything. Even if I mess up, which I have never, ever done. Even if I mess up, there is nothing I can do to make my father love me more. And there is nothing I can do to make my father love me less. There is nothing you can do. Nothing. There is nothing. You can pray 28 hours a day, 8 days a week, 380 days a year, and God will not love you more than he loves you right now because he is not some sterile God. He is your father. This is why they came and they said, Jesus, when you pray, there's something different. When you pray it's different. We feel something in the atmosphere. We sense something different around you. I'm telling you something. The greatest revelation I had next to Jesus is my Savior is God is my Father. I was in Australia pastoring. And, and as I was pastoring, see, I was always taught that God's going to get you. I was always taught. Matter of fact, I heard a guy on the radio today say on the radio what we used to be taught, didn't he? He said on the radio today, listen to what he said, a preacher. He said, God will never use you greatly until he wounds you deeply. What we think God will do to us, if we did that to our children, we'd be arrested for child abuse. Let me say it again. If we did to our kids... What a lot of preachers say God will do to us, we'd go to jail and we ought to. My dad is a good dad. My dad is a wonderful dad. My dad is a caring dad. My dad is a rich dad. My dad is a powerful dad. So Jesus said, now I'm not just giving you theology, I'm giving you the way. We, we decided we're going to pray three, days, three times a day, right? In the morning, at noon... And before we go to bed, tonight when you go to bed, as you're sitting on your bed, or when, maybe when you lay down, just say, good night, Father. Lord, I so appreciate that tomorrow is in your hands. The greatest thing I learned is my Father's for me. That he's a good God. I've shared this before, but I'm going to tell you something. The greatest revelation I had next to Jesus Christ being my Savior. I'm in Australia. I was taught that God will 
wound you, God will take your kids, God will break your business to teach you a lesson. That is a false lie. Now, if something happens, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. One of the worst teachings to ever hear Christianity is praise God for all things. That is such a lie. The Bible does not say praise God for all things. It says praise God in all things. Do you understand the difference? Let's say God forbid. I'm just using this as an analogy because this will not happen to any of us here. Let's say God forbid somebody gets cancer. Well, my God inhabits the praises of his people. So the doctor says, you've got cancer. Well, I tell that person, you need to just begin to praise God. Because by his stripes, we are already healed. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Greater is he that's in me. I do not, you do not praise God for the problem. God did not give you the, oh man, I just want to. God does not do that to you. I hear people all the time say, well, I'm just paying the price for my sin. The price is already paid. That is one of the worst tricks the devil can do. Have you come to Jesus? Now, if you, if you walk out of God's will and the devil knocks you down, God didn't knock you down. Amen? If, if you go to the light sock in the back there and you go, you can't go, look what the electric company did to me. No, you did that to you. But you don't stick your finger in there and leave it in there saying, well, I guess I'm learning a lesson. The lesson is pull it out. Turn to your neighbor and say, duh. Let's say somebody backslides. Let's say somebody backslides. They're serving God, they backslide. Okay? In the backsliding, they lose their job. They lose their business. Well, look what God's doing, something teach me. God didn't do that. The Lord said, I've come to bring you life. And that life more abundant. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, if you stop tithing or if you stop serving God, you get out of the will of God, well, the devil can get you. But once you say, Lord, forgive me, and you get it right, boom. You don't say, well, I guess I'm just paying the price. The price is paid. Now you need to say, devil, I forbid you to put your hands on my family, my money, because the devil is not allowed to touch property that's been paid in full by the blood of Jesus. Right? I make a vow to you. Whatever you forbid, do you understand who you are? You know, I hesitate saying this because there's, there's more than just, there's layers and layers of this. But there was, a, there was a, a, a teaching years ago called the Manifested Sons of God. And they went too far, but they were close. They went too far in that they begin to think of themselves more highly than they ought to. But I'm going to tell you something. We are the sons of God. We are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. This is why Jesus said, I've got to go. Because as long as Jesus, you know, can you imagine walk, being Peter, James, and John and walking with Jesus? And Jesus goes, and man, he's opening blind eyes. He's walking on water. He's calming the storm. He's bringing gold coins out of fish's mouths. And all of a sudden he goes, guys, I got to go. <laughs> no, 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 where are you going? No, I've got to go. Because as long as I am here physically, I am not omnipresent, but I'm about to send another one. I walked with you, but when he comes, he will be in you. And wherever you go, tell them. Look look at me. What does he say? Tell them what? The kingdom of heaven is where? Up there? Over there? Wherever I go. 
king of heaven's going with me. And whatever you forbid, you need to, I'm not talking about ego and pride. We were talking about this the other, we were talking about this upstairs. This is what's happened. People begin to get the Holy Ghost and they begin to see miracles and God begins to use us and we get so caught up in pride that we want to stay up here and not be around the people. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. If God, you know, and, and you know what? God is going to use you. These life groups, that's what these life groups are all about. These life groups are not about just, just studying or, or whatever. These life groups are so that the power of God can be manifested in Plano and Carleton and Irving and, 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 and Southlake and Rockwall and Mesquite. The power of God can multiply because when you learn what we're saying, wherever you go, in, in, Nick, if you go to St. Louis, you're bringing the power of God with you into St. Louis. If you go back to L.A., you're bringing the power of God in there, and God will confirm the word with signs and wonders and miracles. But you got to understand something. It only works that if we get up there, we receive what God's given us, and we come back down amongst the people. It's the only way it works. Pride always kills the anointing. And you know what? If we get prideful, we just remember that God spoke through jackasses before, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? Can I tell you a funny story? Not spiritual, but it's funny. When, when Tiz and I were pastoring our first church in Santa Fe, 95% of our church was Hispanic. And there was a guy that came through, and he had a ruffled shirt and a ruffled sleeves, and he, and he had posters everywhere for a healing ministry, and he had his hand like this, and he was pointing to his hand, and the caption said, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. And some of our vatos went to the meeting and wrote under there, we went there, he can't. <laughs> if God would dare use us, it's to point people to him, not to us. Okay, let's uh, teach us how to pray. When you pray, say. Say it. Say it. Every day, three times a day, say, Father. Father. The, the, can you feel the, 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 the Holy Spirit in that? He is our Father, Almighty God. He who drug his finger and created the Grand Canyon is our Father. He whose, whose heavens is the span of his hand is our Father. He who sits on the throne and the earth is his footstool. He is our Father, and it is our Father who is better than anybody, richer than anybody, more powerful than anybody, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who owns the elk on Ted Turner's ranch. Right? Right? Everybody talking about how rich Ted Turner is. Ted Turner leases that from our father. We're sitting there and they said, you know, next to the Catholic Church, Ted Turner is the largest landowner in America. And I'm sitting there, I go, no, he's not. My dad owns more than Ted Turner. Wow, who's your dad? He's not only my dad, I work for him. Now, I'm serious. This is, this is powerful. When you pray, what, what, do, you, what do you need? What, do you, what, what miracle? How big? How little do you need? When you pray, say, say thank, you, Lord, for, thank you, Lord, for opening the door. Hey, Dad. Hey, Father. The Lord's on the right hand of the, no man goes to the, when you pray, say, Jesus would roll over and freak out. He, he is when, when he hears all of it. Do you know the number one prayer in Hebrew Jesus said? Jesus said, here's the greatest of all. They said, what's the greatest of all the commandments? What did Jesus say? Shema Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, he is one, and the Lord, he is ours. He is one. Christians are praying to the Father. Then they're praying to the Son. 
And then we're taught to pray to the Holy Spirit. That's idolatry. Jesus said in Matthew 16, read it when you get home. From that day, I will not go to the Father for you. For the Father loves... You know how I learned this? I learned this probably 10 years before I ever even thought about studying Jewish roots. Great, great man of God in the Four Square organization, Roy Hicks Sr. Do you all know who Roy Hicks Sr.? Incredible scholar. Gone on to be with the Lord now. And when we first were in the ministry, we were in the Four Square. We pulled out of it to be non-denominational, but I asked this man brilliant scholar brilliant scholar and i asked him one time to when we first started the portland church come up and preach for us and we're sitting in the back and i was traditional just like everybody else we're getting ready to go out and here's this you know uh, you know this was 20 23 24 years ago we're sitting in the back and we're getting ready to go out and he goes larry can i tell you why christians don't get their prayers answered i said oh yes sir absolutely he goes because they pray to jesus and i went Oh, no. The old guy's gone senile, and I'm going to release him. But then he started going over the scriptures. There is nowhere. Jesus said, up to this point, you've not asked the Father. Because up to this point, you've got to have a, somebody go into the Holy of Holies. But once Jesus said it's finished, the Holy of Holies is open. And Jesus said, from that day, I will not go to the Father for Lord, heal me. Mm-mm. Lord, bring me a blessing. Mm -mm. Lord, do this. Mm -mm. Why? You're double-minded. And a double-minded man can't have anything. Did I say it's finished? Yes. Then it's finished. Then it's finished. So you go to the Father, and I say, Father, let's let's say this. Let's Let's say I have a financial need. Okay? Can anybody relate to that? So in the morning, I start off and I say, good morning, Father. And I just let it sink in. You're my Father. The God of the universe. He's my Father. Can you feel that? I don't know about you. Can you feel that? See, I did a a message uh, years ago that maybe we need a breakthrough in understanding. Because we've had fathers that, maybe we've had fathers that have beaten us. Or maybe we've had fathers that didn't care about us. Or maybe we've had fathers that abandoned us. Or maybe we've had fathers that we didn't even know. We need to break that curse. And we need to understand that he is our heavenly father. And he's nothing like anybody on earth. Matter of fact, the eyes of my father are running to and fro looking for somebody that he can be strong in their behalf. Can I have an amen? You need to let God melt that into your spirit. I I need to go. I'm, I'm, I'm going too long. He said, when you pray, say, Father. Then he says, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. His name is... Not was, not will be. His name is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. His name is Jehovah Sitkanu. His name is Jehovah Shalom. His name is, not was. And so if I have a need, let's say I have a financial need. I don't go to Jesus and ask him to go in there and see if something happened. It's already been paid for. So I come boldly and I say, good morning, Father. And I begin to thank you, Lord, you know what, Tiz and I need a financial breakthrough. And let your request be made known unto God. And Lord, I thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Father, we need $1,000 or we need $10,000. Or Father, the church needs $20 million to build the church. And I thank you that the cattle are yours. The earth is yours. The silver is yours. Do you understand the difference? I don't get up there and go, Jesus, please. Oh, Jesus, we are not God's beggars. We are God's sons paid in full by the blood of Jesus. And we can come boldly and let our request be known unto God. And we enter in to what he's already done through praise and thanksgiving. Somebody shout amen. Are you getting this? 
they came to our Messiah and they said, teach us how to pray. It's not, it's not kind of this way. It is this way. When you pray, say, my Father, our Father, you are almighty God. You are my dad. And it is my Father's good privilege to give me the kingdom. He wants my God is not El Gidby. My God, you know, I, I'm trying to get off of this, but I can't. You know why? This is the most important. You know what? We were up on, uh, on Ted Turner's ranch uh, hunting. And uh, that's what I do. I love, I love, that's, that's my relaxment. I love to be in the woods. Tell you what, it was a sacrifice for me to leave Oregon. The, I, I, we had a house on the mountains, elk and deer and bear in our backyard. Now I have neighbors. I have a turtle. We have turtles. We have turtles that come through. And uh, on the ranch, there was a young guy there, really neat guy, really neat young man. He's 25 years old. His family are wealthy people, and they bought him for college graduation an elk hunt on the ranch. It's not a, it's not a cheap hunt. It's, it's, you know, it's, uh, I've done all those where I'm in the tent, I come home, I'm sitting in rain and I'm cooking my, my oatmeal. I like coming home now and have somebody cook for me. And so it was his graduation present. His dad, uh, uh, bought it for him. And I was thinking, you know, I'm the first huck ever to graduate from college. First huck in all of our family ever to graduate from university. You know what I got for graduation? A shirt. That's what I got that I could wear for graduation because we were poor. We were, we were, we were, we were uh, inner city, South St. Louis folks. And that's, that's never had a car when I was growing up. That's why to this day, come Christmas time, I tell says, what do you want? I said, I don't want clothes. Don't buy me clothes. I want toys. Can any of you men relate? I never had toys. That's why we do Christmas, and I give bicycles away. I never had a bike until I was older, and I had it one week. A guy hit me on a car, hit and run, and, that, and wrecked it. Then I, you know, when I was a kid, I drove my mom's Schwinn balloon bicycle, balloon tire, a girl's balloon. That's hard to do when you're from the hood. Getting a lot of fights that way. And now all of a sudden I realize he is my father. I don't come before him begging. I don't come before him pleading. I come before him boldly, number one, because Jesus has paid the price. I am grafted in. I am a member of the family. And as the father gives to the Lord... He also gives to us. And I, and I said this, 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 this morning, but there may be new people here, new people watching. Yeah, but well, you're not like Jesus. You know what? We're different. He may be the son of God, capital S, and we're the son of God, small s, but according to Hebrew law, if you are adopted child, a, 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 a natural child can be disinherited. But an adopted child can never be cut off from their inheritance. And you are a inheritance with Christ Jesus. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Don't just say, you know, you bring, Father, I need this, I need that. You don't enter in by telling them your need. You enter in by praise. The doorbell, the door knocker, the door handle is praise. I don't ask him to be what he already is. I wake up in the morning and I thank him for being my father. I'm not reminding him who he is to me. I'm reminding me. And I'm reminding debt 
and I'm reminding divorce and I'm reminding sickness that no matter who you are, he is my father and greater is he that is in me than anything you can bring against me or my family. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Are you getting this? Teach us how to pray. When you pray, say. That's why you got to say it. You are my father. Lord, I thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Father, I thank you that my business is going to go. I thank you that my bills are going to be canceled. I thank you that that court is going to get me. I don't ask him, Father, give me favor in the court. I don't ask him to do what he's finished. I enter in to what he's already done by thanking him for who he already is. Oh, somebody needs to help me here. Somebody needs to help me. Do, do you understand the difference? Do you understand the difference? If you're asking him to meet your needs, then you're asking him to be what he already paid for by the crown of thorns. And so therefore, you know that he did, but you're not sure yet he'll do it for you. So you're a double-minded person, and a double-minded person, when they pray, won't receive anything. So you enter in. Let me ask you. How many of you are born again? Okay, so did you get up this morning and ask him to be your Savior? Why? Because he already is. If you don't ask him to be your Savior because he already is, why do you ask him to be Jehovah Jireh? Why do you ask him to be your healer? You enter in to what he already did by praise and thanksgiving. So when you pray, say, our Father, who art in heaven, Lord, I praise you, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You're, remind, you're building yourself up. And let me just tell you this. Let me just say this. I'm going to figure out a time to get it. You need to learn to pray in the Spirit. Because the Bible says, building yourself up in the most holy faith. And I know, I know, well, it's not visitor friendly if we go, I'll tell you what, it may make somebody next to you feel uncomfortable, but when you begin to praise in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes and sits on their lap, they may feel uncomfortable for a moment, but their lives will be changed forever. Amen? When you pray, say, Our Father, holy is your name. It literally means in Hebrew to worship his name as, what does holy mean? It means above anything else. It means higher than anything else. His name is above all. So I worship him for being Jehovah Jireh. The, The moment I found out we found out Tiz was pregnant with Anna, we began to praise God for Anna's husband. We weren't leaving it up to chance. We weren't going to start praying for her to be with the right guy when she turned 16, then start praying. The moment she, we knew that she was in Tiz, we began to pray for her life, her destiny, her serving God, her to love the Lord, her husband, her children. We began to release her in. Everything God is going to do for you, he's already done. He is the wheel in the middle of the wheel. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everything he's going to do for you, he did before the foundations of the earth. He's just waiting for you to learn how to walk in to what has already been paid for in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Say it's already done. Okay, I got to go. When you pray, say our Father. Then you begin to worship. And just take time to worship. Let it sink into you. That he is not just God, he is God your father. Who's your dad? 
Well, my dad can whip your dad, and my dad's bigger than your dad. No, our dad can whip everybody. Our dad can buy everything. Our dad owns it all. And it's his, his good pleasure to give it to you. Do you deserve it? Do you deserve it? Do you deserve it? Do you deserve it? Is it does he want to? Can he? Does he want to? Has he already? You're already, you're you're, 85% there. Then you begin to work. What's your need? Healing? Worship him that he is the healer. Worship him that he is the deliverer. Your kids need to be saved? Worship him. Hallowed be thy name. I got to move on or I'll go in that way. Hallowed be thy name. And then you say this. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Once again, we've been taught by the religious leaders because do you ever wonder why it is years ago most of the big churches, their services were done in Latin? You know what they said? You're not mature enough to know this. But the truth was, once you knew this, you'd find out you were equal with them. What it says in Hebrew is, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word as of putting your foot down. Come, kingdom of God. Do you ever say to your kids, get over here. Now, there's a difference between saying to your kids, now, if you don't stop that, one more time. Now, I mean it. I'm, I'm, gonna te- I'm telling you, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. I'm, I'm going to count to ten. That kid ain't doing nothing. But when you finally go, get over here. That's what you need to do with your finances. Get over here. Get over here. I mean right now. Don't make me come over there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Stop being a little beggar. Be a child of God. It literally means come kingdom of God. Be done will of God. On earth as it is. Remember Jacob's ladder? Is there any sickness in heaven? Give me a few more minutes. Give me a few more. Any sickness in heaven? Any poverty in heaven? Any anger in heaven? Any failure in heaven? any tears in heaven, then you need to understand who you are and you need to come before the throne of God in agreement with God. Jesus said, I make you an oath. When you understand this, whatever you forbid on earth, I forbid this to be in my house. I forbid you to have my children. I forbid you to take my business. I forbid this to be in my body. Come kingdom of God, be done. We are not God's beggars. We are joint heirs with Christ Jesus, and whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering of praise.